is very knowledgeable at all the activities and the goings-on that are happening in the Middle East and, you know, the Holy Land being that's what he is. And uh, he lines it up with biblical scripture. Uh, and he, too, Amir, is very convinced and really has been convinced that we are living out the last day biblical prophecy. Um, many of you may listen to or have read a book by a man named Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. Um, he's another Messianic Jew, very, very knowledgeable, very intelligent man. Um, he wrote uh, just a few books that I've read, The, the Harbinger. He wrote uh, The Shemitah. He wrote The, the Book of Mysteries. Uh, I've read all of them, and they're fantastic. He, he's the one that, I don't know, a few months ago, it was actually back in September, he did a, a big, large gathering in Washington, D.C. called The Return. Uh, if you remember, one of our prayer services that we had here Wednesday we actually watched that stream, and if you remember, Rabbi Jonathan Kahn was blowing the shofar. He blew it seven times and then did seven prayers in between that. It actually was very, very powerful, and there were tens of thousands of people there all worshiping the Lord. It was awesome, but he too is very convinced that we're on the verge. We are in those last days. Um, but all these are men, and I know there's many more. You're, maybe you're thinking, hey, you missed a guy that I like a lot. I, I know there's a whole bunch of them out there that are very good um, but, but all these men, very intelligent, study the Word of God. They're all saying the same thing. We're, we're right there. We're right there. All these things are beginning to line up. Uh, several times um, we've heard from whom I like to tease is our in-house eschatologist, Chad Morton. Um, he, you know, he'll be mad at me for this, but I, I spend a lot of time with Chad and talk a lot with Chad and Chad, his, this is his passion. He, he looks over this stuff. He pours over this stuff. And he is convinced. He is convinced that we are close to a rapture-like event. Um, spoke about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where we're going to be caught up in the air. Where, where there will be some sort of event where Christ comes back and he gathers his bride, gathers the church. And, and you listen to Chad, who studies this stuff, he'll tell you, Jace, we're, we're right there. I'm telling you, we're right there. We're right there. Um, Chad spends a lot of time you know, studying Middle Eastern activities, and he lines them up with bi biblical prophecy. And I know there's many of you, lots of you send me videos. I send you videos. And we're all saying, look, man, these things are just beginning to line up. And, and I want to say this about, about all those men and about what they're saying. And I, I'll say this. I am inclined to believe these fellows. I'm very inclined to believe what they're preaching and what they're teaching. Very much so. And I know that many of you feel the same way. You too are inclined to believe that these men are right. And they're taking the Bible. They're saying, man, it says this, this is going to happen. These things are happening. We're seeing them. I know that many of us in here are very inclined to believe that these things are taking place right now. They're beginning to happen right now. Especially you folks that study your Bibles. I have you. You come to me and you're like, Jason, you see this and, and this is happening. Brothers and sisters, it's going on. Now, now these men, they, they aren't just wild guesses that they're making. They're not just saying, well, Christ ascended a good long time ago. It's been a good while. Um, yeah, it could be soon. No, no, no. They're, they're taking what the Bible says and they're saying these things, these are clues, these are warnings, these are hints. And they're saying they are happening now. Therefore, we must conclude that the time is near, brothers and sisters. Now, now first, of all, first of all, we, we have to agree with this, that 
No man knows the day nor the hour of, of Christ's return. No one knows that, okay? No one does. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 says this. It says, but have that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So, listen closely, no one knows when this cataclysmic event will occur. No one does. Uh, no one, no matter how intelligent your guy is that you watch on YouTube or the ministry that you follow, no one knows the exact time. No one does. Me having grown up in church, dad being a pastor from when little boy, he's always brought, we've always come to church, I have seen this over and over and over. Someone cracks some sort of biblical code and they're able to predict the day and the hour. And I've even seen on the news these Christian folks getting up on the rooftops of their houses and, and pretty much abandoning their lives thinking, he's coming back tonight. This has been predicted. Brothers and sisters, no one knows. No one knows. That's what it says we have to agree on this this morning. No one knows. Not even the angels know. Okay, so no one knows. But the Lord does not leave us in the dark concerning the end times. Okay, he does not leave us completely clueless. There's actually a great deal about the end times written in this Bible. Okay, a lot of it. Lots of clues. Lots of hints. So we're not completely in the dark on all this. Now, we might not know the exact time. But I believe that the scripture leaves us clues enough so that we can have some inclination of a general timeline. Okay? We can't predict exactly when, but we should have some generalizations using this book, using the Bible, the Word of God, the, the hints that God gave us, the clues that He gave us, the prophets, even the Old and New Testament, gives us all kinds of hints. So we should be able to look at this book and say... I'm not completely ignorant. I, I can know and see some signs happening around me and know that we are close. Not the exact day, but we can know when we're close. Now, there's lots of clues in the Bible, I said, and I'd like to look at one of those clues today. Uh, many of you know that Matthew chapter 24 is a, is a pretty famous chapter in the Bible. Obviously, all the chapters in the Bible are awesome, but... Matthew chapter 24 contains what's called, well, what, what theologians or Bible scholars called the Olivet Discourse, okay? Um, in Matthew chapter 24, the, the Lord gives lots of signs and clues and hints at, at, as the second coming of Christ and the end of the world. He, he, it's, the whole chapter is full of it. If you've never read it, I suggest you really get in there and read it and begin to look at some of these things that Jesus tells uh, in this discourse that he has with his disciples. Okay, Now, Matthew 24 is a long chapter. It's got lots of stuff. There's no possible way that we can cover it this morning. Um, so we're not even going to attempt to. But we can look at one little clue, at least, that the Lord gives us in there. Okay, um, So... If we look at this one little clue that the Lord gives us in this Olivet Discourse, we can take what Jesus says and we can reconcile it with what we're seeing happening around us. And we'll see if the, the two resolve each other or they, they settle in the matter in some sort of way. So we can see what Jesus said and then we can match it with what we see happening and we can see if the two line up. 
Okay? And that, that's what we'll do this morning, or at least attempt to do. So, just a little bit of background of which Matthew chapter 24 is. It, it, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. Actually, the disciples take him and they, they show him the rebuilding of the temple. Herod's temple is being built, okay, on, on the Temple Mount. And the disciples are showing them, and if, if I have my dates right, I believe that they were building the temple even before Jesus was born. So this structure was taking many, many, many years to be built. And the, they're there, the disciples and Jesus, and they're looking at it, and Jesus eludes to a fact that this temple that you guys see, this great big giant structure is going to be destroyed. It's going to be thrown down. It won't be one block left upon the other. So he prophesied that, which... After Jesus ascends, is crucified, ascends into heaven, as 20 or 30 years later, whenever it was, that actually happened. That temple was destroyed. So he's, they, they escape to the Mount of Olives, which is very close to the Temple Mount, and they begin this discussion the, the, with the disciples. They begin to ask him questions. Okay, so we're going to start Matthew chapter 24, verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives... The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, we'll kind of stop reading there. But you see this very heavy question that these disciples are, Lord, give us some sign. What, when is it going to happen? When are these things going to take place? Lord, what are the signs of your second coming or the end of the world? What will they be? Jesus goes on to say, you know, don't let anyone deceive you. There's going to be many false Christs. There are going to be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. There's going to be nation rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Then he goes on to say, all these are the beginnings of sorrows. Brothers and sisters, we've seen all that going on for a long time. Those aren't even the clues we're going to look at today. Those are really aren't, there's no contest on those ones. They've been happening for a long time. But I'm just giving you a laying some groundwork for what we're going to look at. Okay, so he's sitting with his disciples, and they ask him these things directly about the end times. Now, we're going to skip uh, past a lot of that good stuff, okay? And, and it is good stuff. I encourage you, be familiar with Matthew chapter 24, okay? But because of time, we're going to skip to verse 37. Okay, so Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. This is where things are going to start getting interesting. Now, this is Jesus talking with his disciples again. Okay, so let's pay close attention. Don't, don't zone out on me here. Listen. But as the days of Noah were, Noe is just a different spelling for Noah. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So these disciples, they, they ask Jesus, what, when's this sign? Give us some signs, give us some clues, give us some hints. When's it going to be? And Jesus kind of says, hmm, how, how can I say this so that they'll understand? He says to them, do you remember Noah? Do you remember what happened in Noah's days? Remember what's recorded in Genesis? What happened all those years ago? Do you remember what happened to the world then? He, so he's getting them to recall what happened in Noah's day. He's directing their attention. They're, they're asking, when are these things going to be? And he says, uh, what? do you remember what happened in Noah's day? 
It's going to be somewhat like that. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until it started raining. So in other words, they were living their lives, carrying on like normal, without a care in the world, all is well. Let's just keep on going full bore, see where this thing leads us. Nothing's wrong. And then it started raining, okay? It started raining bad, and it began to flood. It actually says that the fountains of the deep were broken up so that water came up from the ground, which we strangely still find the whole world has a water table, so there's water underneath it, just like the Bible says. Water came up, and rain came down and flooded the whole earth, okay? Jesus is saying the end of the age, the second coming, it will be somewhat like that. It, it will be just like that. It will be similar to that. So he's trying to explain what the second coming will be. And he's saying it's going to be similar to what you saw happen in the days of Noah. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but this kind of leaves me with more questions than it does answers. Okay? It leaves me with the question of, okay, then. What went on in the days of Noah? What happened back in the days of Noah? Because if Jesus is saying it's going to be similar to that, it might be prudent of us Christian folks to look back on the days of Noah and see what happened. What went down in the days of Noah? Because I want to find out, because he's saying the second coming is going to be similar to that. So this leaves me with the question, what happened in the days of Noah? Because if the second coming is similar to that, then I need to know if that's what we're seeing today, if the two are similar, if the two ages match. Okay, so are, are the activities, this is the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, are the activities of the days of Noah similar to the activities that we see today? Because if they are, we got to watch out. we got to be warned. Second coming type stuff. Because if they're similar, listen, brothers and sisters, if they're similar we'd better set our spiritual affairs in order. So, what was the days of Noah like? Now, let's, let's read some scriptures. It's all recorded in Genesis chapter 6, another chapter you need to be very familiar with. And, and as we read out of Genesis chapter 6, I, I want you to mentally begin to compare and contrast what, what we see happening in Genesis 6 and what, what you see happening around you in our society, in our nation, in our culture. See if the two begin to reconcile and start matching up, okay? Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 says this, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Does that sound like... What's going on in our nation? Uh, okay, verse 6. And it repented the Lord, meaning he was sorrowful, almost as though he regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. N note that there's... Two main characteristics that God observed during this time in Genesis 6, during this flood time frame, two main characteristics that there was wickedness of man was great in the earth. So this extreme wickedness, and then there's also 
the imaginations and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So wickedness everywhere, rampant, and evil imaginations in their minds and in their hearts continually. Is that like mankind today? Does, does even America, does it have great wickedness and evil imaginations continually? I got an idea. Let's check in with pop culture. Let's check in with what is popular in our culture, okay? Let's see what's popular out there. Uh, let's start with music, shall we? Oh, what's this? Brothers and sisters, listen closely. The number one song that was popular in our culture, at least it was a few weeks ago or a month ago, whenever it was, is a song so vulgar, I refuse to even tell you the name of the song. It is so vulgar. The name of the song is vulgar, let alone the song itself. And this is the number one song in pop culture, meaning in popular culture, what is popular among our culture. It is a completely vulgar. The title of the song is so horrendous that I can't in good faith even mention it for informational purposes only from this pulpit. I fear the Lord too much to even mention the name of the song. Nor do I even want to mention the name of this song and take the chance of you going out and Googling it. Brothers and sisters, leave it alone. Take my word on it. This song is horrific. Okay? This song, which is very popular in our culture, number one hit, it is verbal pornography. Verbal pornography, and it's the number one song. A very, very degrading song. Very, very disturbing lyrics. Disturbing Okay, I would say, that's just a wild guess for me, I would say that this song 100% qualifies that it came from someone's evil imagination. Okay, evil imagination. So are we like the days of Noah? Let's not jump to any conclusions yet. That's just one song, you know. Let's not jump to any conclusions yet. Let's look at what's popular in our movies right now. Well, what's this? A movie called Cuties. Anyone heard of that movie, Cuties? Brothers and sisters, Cuties is a movie, came out a couple months ago, that sexualizes children, okay? Objectifies young girls, underage girls. Young girls dance and twerk suggestively throughout the movie, okay? I have not seen it, nor will I ever, nor have I also listen to the aforementioned song. I, I have not. But I, I also refuse to discuss any further what this movie contains, anything further than it exploits young girls. It, it is a perverse film worthy of the garbage can. However, from the critics' perspective, it was nominated for several film festival awards and even won an award at the Sundance Film Festival. Critics said that the movie was inspired. Critics said that the movie was extraordinary. Rotten Tomatoes, most of you younger folks know what Rotten Tomato is, just like a, they watch movies and critique them. And Rotten Tomatoes gave it an 87% approval rate, meaning this is a good movie. You guys need to watch this. Brothers and sisters, we can say with authority 
that this stuff is not only creepy, but that it comes from someone's wicked imagination. Wicked imagination. Okay, forget about the movie cuties. There's got to be another good movie out there. How about this one? Just come out. I think it might be playing now. It was just recent. Anyone heard of the movie Unpregnant? Heard of that movie? It's a, 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 another movie. It, it, listen, it's a, a heartwarming film about an underage girl that gets pregnant and asks her friend to go on a road trip to New Mexico so she can get an underage abortion. The parents are portrayed, obviously no surprise here, as ultra-religious anti-abortionists. Of course, one of the young girls in the film, one of the lead characters is lesbian. And of course, they have a blast on this trip. It, it, it glamorizes abortion. Glamorizes it. Rotten Tomatoes gives this film a 89% approval rating. Listen, I, I got this from Robert, Ro, RogerEbert.com. says, they're young women struggling to make independent choices in a culturally conservative, right-wing, Christian-defined part of America where men pass laws to control women's bodies. What, what, a, what a wonderful film that encourages young underage girls to get an abortion without telling their parents. It's a, it's a movie that glamorizes underage abortion, makes it look fun, makes it look adventurous. It's a teenage road trip. Isn't this a blast? Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but when I look at our nation, it looks evil continually. I see the manifestations of wicked imaginations. That is what I see. Now, remember, we're, we're looking back this, this to Genesis this morning. We're trying to see if what was going on in those days is similar to what we see going on in our days. Jesus tells us the coming of the Son of Man will be like the days of Noah. We go back and we look what those days are like. Wickedness all throughout the earth and wickedness, evil imaginations. We see that our music, we see that our movies are full of all kinds of evil. Now, now one thing we have to understand, and I think we can all agree on this, is our movies and our uh, music are reflections of society. They are reflections of all of us as, as a whole, as a culture. They, they reflect us. I mean, you can remember the, the Elvis Presley days, you know. He represents an era. The Beach Boys kind of represents an era. Woodstock kind of represents the 60s, you know, all, all that stuff. Well, the things that we see going on today, they're representing what's going on today. They're representing culture today. As a society becomes more and more degraded, so do its movies and so do, does its music. Our movies and our music reflect eras in our culture and these this is the music and these are the movies that we see listen genesis goes on to say chapter 6 verse 11 there's a couple more characteristics god's going to say the the earth also was corrupt before god and the earth was filled with violence and god looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. If you notice, there's two more main characteristics that God saw when he looked at that era of the flood. He's saying, mm, I see lots of corruption 
And he's also saying the earth was filled with violence. So there's corruption and there's violence. Two more characteristics that we see in Noah's day. Do we see it occurring today? Well, you, you can try and attempt to make an argument that we're not corrupt or that we're not filled with violence, but I'd have to strongly disagree. I'm going to submit to you this morning that we are very corrupt and we are very violent, okay? Corruption and violence. Would you agree with me this morning that we have a slight corruption? We have a slight violence problem in our nation. Would you, could you maybe agree with me on that this morning? I don't even know if my vote counted for anything. I don't. I don't. Can, can, we, can we trust our voting system? I don't know. I, I don't know. Who in the world is telling the truth? I don't know if you had a chance to watch the presidential debates, but it's like one candidate would say, I made a million jobs. The other one would say, no, you didn't. I made those million jobs. Who made the jobs? Someone's got to tell the truth. Who in the world? It, it, there, there's so much. I did this. No, sir, I did that. No, you didn't do this. I did that. There, there's so much corruption. Now, now, I'm not going to get into to the politics and all that, but, but hear me out. This is just something that I observe, okay? You were talking about corruption. Okay, the, this, the same media, you turn on the news and the, the news comes on, the same media that is telling me it is preposterous, it is outlandish, it's not even worth suggesting that there could have been cheating in this voting, that there could be uh, fraud in this election. Why would you even suggest that's outlandish? What kind of a fool? The same media, that, that's what they're saying right now. Whether there is or not, who in the world knows, but that's what they're saying. They just got done telling me for the last three or four years that Russia stole the 2016 election. Now they're saying it's completely outlandish. It could never happen. Brothers and sisters, have you heard these terms? Russian bots. Collusion, Vladimir Putin. Have you heard all these things? That the Russians stole the 2016. Now all of a sudden, it is outlandish that there could be fraud in our elections. Who, who's telling somebody somewhere's lying about something? I smell corruption. I smell corruption. Don't get me started. I smell corruption. We, brothers and sisters, we got corrupt leadership. We got corrupt leadership. They're corrupt. New Hope, are, are you starting to see the evil in our nation manifesting itself, that, that our nation produces? Evil is in our schools. Evil is in our churches. Evil is in our pulpits. Evil's in our courtrooms. Evil is in our media or TV programming, or networks, or movies, evils in our leadership. It's all around. It is outer darkness. It is evil continually. Corruption everywhere, just like the days of Noah. It's, it's just like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, so maybe you're saying, well, I'm not convinced yet. H has anyone noticed the violence in our nation? Do you know this? It, I, go ahead and fact check me on this. The 20th century, if you can even trust the fact checking anymore, I, I don't even trust that. 
the, the 20th century, the one we just left about 20 years ago, was the most violent, bloody, murderous century in recorded human history. The 20th century was. Meaning, we killed more people than ever in any century. With our wars, with our genocides, with murdering, we murdered more that's ever been on the books, ever. And, and, and can you even remotely say to me, no, we're not violent. We killed more than we ever have in history in the 20th century. I think there's no argument that can be made if we're violent. Has anyone noticed the lawlessness in our land? Anyone noticed this stuff? When? When have you ever seen the rioting and the looting allowed to continue, not only for days, but for weeks and even months in some cities? Our cities are experiencing complete lawlessness. There is no rule of law in those cities. None whatsoever. None. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. Brothers and sisters, the rule of law is it's what prevents people from stealing other people's stuff. It's what prevents me from coming into your house and taking your stuff is because the rule of law. I don't want prosecuted. I don't want thrown in jail. I don't want whatever the law can do to me. I don't want that. I don't want fined. I don't want to be put in jail. That's why I follow the law. When I go out there and when I drive, I try to obey the speed limit. Why? Because I don't want to pay a speeding ticket. Because there are laws in this land that we have to abide by. We have to. And, and if we don't abide by those things, then all chaos breaks loose, which we actually are observing currently in our major cities. Complete lawlessness. The breakdown of the rule of law. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable what we see going on. Well, what, what does the Bible say about that lawlessness? Uh, I find this funny, but Matthew chapter 24, the chapter that we're in, I'm going to read something to you in the New King James Version. It says this, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Isn't it funny that, remember, we're talking about Matthew chapter 24. What is Matthew chapter 24? Matthew chapter 24 is Jesus' response to his disciples when they say, When shall these things be? When's the end of the world? When's the second coming? I find it funny that in Jesus' diatribe here, he's telling, he says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. He mentions this lawlessness, which we are beginning to see in our nation. I don't remember ever seeing this stuff before, ever in my life. And we're seeing it occurring and happening now in our major cities. Lawlessness. Lawlessness abounding, and the love of many shall grow cold. We won't even get into that, but how many people do we see falling away from the Lord? How many of these, these even higher profile preachers and pastors are falling away? How, how many have we even seen, we, we've seen some of them turn atheist even. Uh, if, if you pay much attention to Christendom, you know, the world of Christianity, You'll see the, there's men, 
that, that have written the books. The guy, I can't remember his name now, the one guy that wrote the book about you know, Christian dating and, and the way that you should date. He, he's come out and he's, he's apologized for everything that he ever wrote and he, he renounces it and it's no good now. All the falling away, a big falling away. The, the love of many growing cold because of lawlessness going around. Hmm. Now, I'm going to begin to bring this to a close. You know, if the band wants to begin to make their way back, but, but please don't zone out on me yet. Did I say something funny? Let, let's, let's just do a little recap, okay, for our, for our lesson today. It's actually very simple. Jesus says to his disciples, when they ask him, when's the second coming? When's the end of the world? When, when, when's it all going to happen? He says it will be like My mic off. He says it'll be like the days of Noah. Now, the days of Noah in Genesis, they're filled with four characteristics. Okay, you see the, the wickedness everywhere. You see the evil imaginations of the mind and the heart. You see the violence. And you see corruption. The, those are the things that occurred in the days of Noah and caused God to pour out his judgment. He judged the earth. Brothers and sisters, every time God judges the earth, it is righteous judgment. Very righteous judgment. So he judged the earth back then. Flooded. All the people were partying, doing whatever they want to do. Not a care in the world about God. All this evil going on. God poured out his judgment and his wrath. And Jesus says, okay, here's the clue I'm going to leave you. It'll be similar to that. So when we observe that and then we look at the characteristics of our nation today and, and many things going on in our world, in our culture, in our society, we observe this. Wickedness all throughout our land. We, we see it everywhere. We see perverse imaginations, wicked imaginations manifesting themselves. We see corruption all over the place and we see violence all over the place. So then we can conclude this. You can argue with me if you want, but, th but this is my conclusion of the matter. Matthew chapter 24, that same one, you know the context of he's talking about the end days. Jesus says, So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Now we don't know the exact day, brothers and sisters. We don't. Could be tonight, could be tomorrow, could be a hundred years from now. I don't know. I'm not making any suggestions on when it could be. But I'm just taking Jesus' words. I'm looking back at the days of Noah. I'm reconciling them with what we see happening today. And then I'm concluding with, So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things going on, famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places, Wars, rumors of wars, nations rising up against nations. When you see all these things, the beginning of sorrows, when you see all this stuff going on. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. I believe that this morning. I, I want to be clear with everyone. I believe that. I believe we're near, 
even at the doors. Could be another 10 years, 15, I don't know. But I believe that we are close to some of these events that the Bible talks about. It, it, we can't predict when, but we have these wonderful clues in the Bible. Clues in the Old Testament, clues in the New Testament. And when we take just this one clue of the days of Noah, that's just one of them out of many, many. I think the two are starting to line up pretty dang good. And, and I, I'm just saying, I believe that we are near. So brothers and sisters, if I can encourage you in one thing this morning. Set your spiritual affairs in order. Set them in order. Leave no rock unturned in your life. No crevice. Check everything. Get in front of the Lord and have Him search you. I pray that all the time, Lord, search my heart. There can be things in there I don't even know about. The closer that you get to God, the more the, the little hidden things in your life begin to get magnified more and more. You, you hear pastors say, like the layers of an onion. You, know, you can peel off one layer, there's another, there's another, there's another. It keeps going all the way till you get to the core. Do that before the mighty eyes of God in His presence. Set your spiritual affairs in order. And if there, listen, if there be anyone in here, I, I hope that we're all saved. I, I sincerely hope that now, if it ever, ever been, is not a good time to be unsaved. It is not a good time to be unsaved. Anyone listening online, please hear me out. We, we do every now and again, we do the ABCs of salvation. Very, very simple. A, admit Admit that you are a wrongdoer. Admit that you are a transgressor of the law. Admit that you've broken the Ten Commandments. Admit it. You might as well be honest. We've all broken them. We're all guilty. You admit it. And then B, believe in your heart. Believe on the Lord Jesus, the cross, what He did on the cross. Believe in it with all your heart, with every fiber in your being. Believe in it. Believe that the, the blood that Jesus has shed was the atonement for our sins. Believe on that. And see confess it confess it verbally confess it to God verbally confess it to Christ verbally confess it doesn't matter who hears you doesn't matter if anyone hears you as long as you and God are in connection and you confess confess that you believe what he did on the cross confess that you are a sinner confess that you need him on a daily basis every single day that you need the attachment to the true vine which is Jesus Christ those are the very simple ABCs of Christianity and I pray that you pray them if there's anyone in this building, come and get me after the service. We can talk a while. We'll go through Romans and I'll show you, I'll prove these things to you. That none of us are good. We're all sinners. All sinners in need of forgiveness. All sinners in need of redemption. The redemptive power of Jesus' blood. Let's stand. We'll pray. And then the worship band will lead us in one final song. Oh, Father God, we love you so much this morning, Lord. Lord, I don't want to induce fear in anyone or panic. I'm, I'm not, that's not the point, Lord. Lord, I, I think you gave us these clues for a reason, Lord, so that we wouldn't be completely in the dark about the signs of the times, Lord. You gave us them so that we could discern them, Lord. And you tell us to discern them even. And Lord, I, I feel that's what we attempted to do this morning, Lord. We looked at the days of Noah. We see the similarity between their behavior and our behavior. Lord, we know we live in a wicked and perverse nation. Lord, there's so much evil that goes on in this nation. We didn't even talk about it today, Lord. We could go on and on. Lord, we see that those two eras, uh, they, they, are, they match, Lord. They match. And God, I pray over your people, Lord, that every last one of us 
sets our spiritual affairs in order. That we take the Word of God serious like it's meant to be taken. I pray for anyone listening online. I pray the same prayer over them. Anyone that may be unsaved, Lord, I pray that today they reach out to you, Lord. That they, they do the ABCs of salvation, Lord. And that they begin a relationship with you in close communion with Jesus. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Amen. Let's sing.